book of John, chapter 17, verse 4. So that's book of John, chapter 17, verse 4. And I'll be reading from CSV version. Book of John, chapter 17, 4. I have glorified you on earth by completing the work you've gave me to do. This is the word of God. Now I'd like to invite Pastor Yang uh, to preach this word. Thanks, Jay. Yeah, the uh, scripture reading is very short today, so I had to kind of rush up here. So excuse me if I'm out of breath. Um, I don't know if we hugged last night. Like we were at a, we were at father's school together. And it's not like a weird thing of like hugging each other, but um, yeah, we were asked to hug a whole bunch of different people. Uh, I've known Jay a long time as well, and so it's really great to see. Um, we finished so late. We finished at 10, and then Jay went home, and this man was up until 1.30 in the morning preparing for today. So I really do honor you as, uh, uh, as a family man and as someone who has uh, two kids, I can imagine um, what a sacrifice that is. You know, so really, really amazing. Uh, my name is Young, pastor here at New Life, and it's definitely my pleasure to be with you this morning. Oh, it's a little bit echoey. Uh, we are a little bit more than halfway through Lent now, and so uh, we have passed that halfway point. Uh, for those that are observing, that my hope and prayer for you is that it is a blessing and also a sacrifice as well um, as you continue to worship the Lord in your sacrifice. And hopefully it is taking you deeper in your love and your dependence on God. Now we're in our second week of our six-week Easter series called So That You May Live. Uh, It's a series that's taking us deeper into Jesus' life, death, and resurrection here on earth uh, so that we might believe that Jesus is the Son of God and by believing we might live. But before we get there, how about we pray? Uh, Let me pray for us. Now we'll look at the scripture. Father, we want to know your heart for us. We know, Lord, that as your son worked here on this earth, that he carried your heart. He carried out your heart's instructions towards us. He carried out your heart's work for us. And we want to know what that heart is. We want to know, Lord, uh, what it is, Lord, that you feel towards us and the way that that changes, uh, the way that we do things here on earth the way that we change in our disposition towards you as well, God. We long to love you. We want to love you even when it's hard, even when we're at our highest or our lowest. Wherever we're at, Lord, we want to love you. Would you help us to do this, God? And we know that you're faithful to answer. And so we pray, Lord, that you will break down any barriers, break down any walls that exist between us, Indeed, we know that your son came and he broke down all of those walls. And so we turn to you now, Lord, and we ask that you would help us in our unbelief of these things, that we might love you. Lord, we dedicate ourselves to you. We commit ourselves to you and we ask, Lord, that you would open up the word to our hearts, that we might be changed forever by it. Be with us, Lord, and help us to love you more. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So although this uh, scripture reading was very short, it occurs on the night before he died 
the disciples are gathered around him, and they're all listening to Jesus, and he's praying to his Father, and in the midst of his, this prayer, he says those words that we just read. I've glorified you on the earth by completing the work you gave me to do. By completing the work. Now, what work is he talking about here? What work is Jesus talking about when he prays this? Now, throughout our series, we're talking about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection here on earth. And so the work that we're talking about must be the work that he has done here on earth as well. And so all throughout his life, all throughout his ministry, in all of it, Jesus glorified God on the earth. We know this. In other words, Jesus did and said and lived in such a way that gave the Father glory. In everything that he did, he gave the Father glory and such honor that all human beings here on earth that he encountered had to praise God for who he is. This is his work. This is the work that he's talking about. What do you think about work, though? When we talk about work, you know, the sermon is titled, He Worked. We've started talking about the work that Jesus had done. But this word work, it's kind of an emotional word. I don't know if you've thought about this word before, work. It makes us feel certain things depending on what it is that we do and how it is that we feel about our work. Once a long time ago, we had a guest speaker who came and he talked to the men of our church. And something really strange happened that I've never experienced before or since when a guest speaker has come. He was talking very standard stuff. So he's speaking to the men, and so sometimes you can kind of guess what you know, they're gonna talk about when they speak to a select group of people. And he's talking about very standard things about growing and maturing as a man, leaving behind the childish things and in the middle of him talking about all these things, I guess something had provoked one of the people that were listening. You know, he was talking about something like providing for your family, maybe. And one of these guys, he stood up. He started arguing with him in the middle of providing for your family, being mature, all this stuff, and asked him, but what about living the dream? Something in this man's brain had been triggered by the thought of work. Just the thought of work itself had triggered this man and he couldn't suppress his thoughts about living out his dream, whatever this dream job might be. He didn't want to call it a job though. That would have triggered him and he would argue with me right now. And it caused him to fight against this very notion of work. Now for us, do you recognize the feelings that surface for you when we talk about this word work? the thoughts that you have when you start thinking about work, because it might be a little bit more subtle than arguing back and forth with the guest speaker. Like, we might have negative connotations when it comes to work, when we come to think about work. We might even think it's a curse rather than a blessing, and we might try to figure out where we've heard that before. Maybe it manifests a little bit differently. Maybe it manifests as complaining about work, dreading the workday, we fear when Monday comes. We hate Wednesday. We kind of like Friday. Let's be clear, though. Our Christian faith doesn't say that work came as a curse for us. Sometimes people believe this because of this wrong idea that they have about Adam in the garden, that maybe he was cursed to work because of what he did in the garden. But what does the Bible actually say? 
You don't have to turn here, but Genesis 2 reads this. At the time that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, no shrub of the field had yet grown on the land, and no plant of the field had yet sprouted, for the Lord God had not made it rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. And in verse 15, this is before the fall of man, the Lord God took the man and placed him in the Garden of Eden to work it and watch over it. And we know that all throughout Genesis, we hear that God made and it was good. We read in Genesis that work existed before the fall of man, and until we get this, we're always going to struggle. We're always going to think a certain way about the work that we do. Even when worshiping God feels like work, sometimes we hate that. We hate that it feels like work. We want it to be more natural. We want it to be more joyful. Your mind and your heart will react the same way that you do towards your work if we don't get this. Now, for Jesus... The work that his father gave him to do was his life's work. Everything that he does in life is colored by the work of the father, and he does it well by bringing glory to God. This surely should be our work here on earth as well. This should be the way that we feel towards our work. Jesus came to do the father's will. He never strays from his work, and neither should we. He says in John 6, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him, him who sent me. So in other words, what we do, what we say, how we live, should give glory to God and cause people on earth to praise his holy name. Now this is going to sound a certain way to some of you. This might sound very idealistic to some of you who are in the workforce. It might sound unrealistic to some of you if you're imagining the workforce because the nature of your work might be very burdensome. It might be very frustrating or boring or annoying when you think about work. And maybe this has been internalized by you, so you can't help but think about work in this sense. So you imagine the work that God has given to you in such a light as well. And so when it comes to things like serving one another, it feels like a chore. It feels like something you've got to really force yourself to do, and then you hate every moment of it, but you try to smile, you know? Or giving to the needs of others might feel like a compromise towards your personal goals that you set for your finances. Whatever it might be, you feel a certain way about these things. But God's work gives life. It has to be this way. Jesus, the author of life, loved to do the work of God. Before I worked as a pastor, I worked in a few different jobs. I don't feel this way about the work that I do here, by the way. But although the jobs were okay, you know, back then, I never really felt like they were the work that I was supposed to do in life. You know, you ever get that feeling like, this isn't what I was meant to do, this isn't what I was created to do. I kept telling myself this, I kept telling all my friends this, asking them to pray, pray that I get my dream job. You know, I wasn't living the dream, so to speak. Maybe it was me arguing with that guest speaker. And so I would finish work, and I'd be really tired. I'd be drained, because I've gone through the day speaking to different people, working with coworkers that, you know, it feels like I'm managing them at the same time. Except for the times when I was very intentional about living as a Christian. Something shifts in that moment, whether that means extending grace and kindness to other people around you, praying for your coworkers, doing God's will in your life. 
until you engage with the Christian life, in that place, nothing changes. Work can be draining if we're not doing the will of God. C.K. Barrett, this biblical scholar, he says this, the creative will of God realized in obedience sustains life. The work that Jesus did on this earth was given to him by God, and so it's his Father's creative will. This is the will of the one who sent him. And this means that it's a blessing and not a curse. If this is something that the Lord has given you to do, surely it's a blessing and not a curse. And yet so many times we think of doing the work of God as a burden because of the negative way that we look at work. When we truly do God's will, though, we live. We truly live. Jesus Christ worked so that we might live. The lives that we lead here on earth, I've heard people summarize it by saying that they study hard at school so that they can go to university, study hard to graduate so they can get a job, work like a dog, provide for a family that doesn't really appreciate it, and then they get paid a little bit more, they retire, hopefully comfortably, and then they can live at 65 or 70 or whatever horrible age it is now. And it sounds so bleak, and yet for some of us it sounds so real. Like this, this must be reality, especially if you're living in Sydney, this must be reality. Maybe some of us have bought into this, but is this life? Is this what life is? Is this what constitutes life? Because the work that we do, whether as students or as employees, this isn't life. This isn't what's supposed to make up life for us, but this is what's supposed to help us to live. A lot of us get this confused. A lot of us look at work as though it gives us meaning and purpose for our lives. This isn't the case. It's really God who gives us that meaning and purpose for the work of our lives. This is why it's a blessing to do his will and how it goes about sustaining us. I want you to think back with me, if you're familiar with the story, when Jesus met with the Samaritan woman at the well in John 4. He spends time, he speaks with her, he reveals who the Messiah is to her, himself. He brings hope and life to her. He brings living water to her when she had none of this before. And then his disciples arrive shortly afterwards. You know, maybe they've gotten food from a nearby town. And they try to get him to eat because they know they have a long journey ahead. They know they've already gone through a long journey. They know he must be tired and hungry. They want him to sustain himself. John 4, 31 to 34 reads this. In the meantime, the disciples kept urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said, I have food to eat that you don't know about. The disciples said to one another, could someone have brought him something to eat? My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work, Jesus told them. What's Jesus saying here? The will of God finishing his work, this is what sustains Jesus more, gives him greater satisfaction than anything else in this world. He's not just saying that is better than food. The suggestion is that by doing God's work, it's like eating food. Have you ever been hungry? 
after you've had a long day of working. You haven't eaten anything all day. Let's put some examples out there. Maybe you were helping your friends pack for a move, or you're looking after your kids. You're studying really, really hard, and you just get so in the zone that you forget to eat. This might be, you know, out of the imagination for some of us. You're busy with something. You end up exhausted, drained. What happens when you eat? You feel better. No matter how bad your mood was, you usually feel better when you eat. I don't like to admit this when Bora tells me, just eat something. And I'm like, no, this isn't going to fix my mood. And then I eat. And I don't want to say, that did fix everything, you know? But I actually feel better. Food is fuel for our bodies. We can't live without it. But Jesus says that his food is to do the Father's will and to finish his work. This is what work is. Worshiping God and living this Christian life, it doesn't have to be hard. We really like to make it hard. We tend to overthink it sometimes, like we need a divine directive from God for everything that we do. Like, hey, turn here, walk here. Like every moment of our existence has to feel like the final night of a retreat, and unless we feel that way, we're being disingenuous. This isn't the case. There's this book that I've read in the book, uh, The Practice of the Presence of God. There's this Christian monk named Brother Lawrence, really simple man. He resolves to make the love of God the goal of all that he does in life. He just wants the love of God to govern everything that he does in life, whether that might be picking up rubbish or cooking and cleaning as that's what his duties were, that's what his work was as, as a monk, or, or whatever he was tasked to do outside of his normal work, this is the simplicity with which he approached his task, his work, and his life. He did all for the love of God. Nothing else, not even any good gifts that God might give him, but just for the love of God himself. And everything that Jesus did in his ministry is submission to the Father's will too. And carrying out his work, it's love. Why? Because Jesus' work reflects who he is and who his Father is as well. And so the same for us. As we live our lives, as we carry out the work that the Father has given us, this reveals our identity in him more than you think. This doesn't mean that we aspire towards becoming workaholics. This isn't the point of the sermon. Jesus didn't only work. When we read about his time here on earth through the Gospels, we find a man not only who worked diligently, but he rested diligently too. He took time out. When we're defining his work as the will of the Father, this isn't to say that resting is going against the Father's will, far from it. It is the Father's will for you to rest. Jesus never departs from the Father's will, which means that rest is also God's blessing to us as well. If you know any workaholics around you, you, know, you can remind them of this. We saw last week how Jesus habitually retreated and spent time with the Father. This was his habit. He re-entered refreshed. This is our Lord and Savior. He needed that time away. His prayer in John 17 is a continuation of this habit as well, where he's inviting his disciples into this rest. When the disciples come back from their mission of preaching and exorcism and healing, Imagine if we did this for our mission trips. 
what will we think if we are wildly successful preaching, exercising demons, healing people in the name of Jesus? Our missions leaders, maybe I will be tempted to say, we got to capitalize on this. We got to keep going. Let's set up a five night prayer meeting. Get people here. Testify about all these things. But what does Jesus do? Mark 6, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. For many people were coming and going and they did not even have time to eat. Instead of letting the disciples get carried away, he tells them, get some rest. Sometimes we have this inverse relationship of work and rest. All we want to do is rest. You know, we can't wait for the long, long holiday and then we want to extend it out a little bit more. We can't wait for our degree to finish so we can take some time before we go to work. We can't wait to quit our job so we can take some time before we work. We just want to rest. And it just feels like work gets in the way of our rest. We live for the holiday. We live for the weekend. But it's clear from Jesus' example that this isn't the case. His work sustains his life. Even on that fateful night that we read about in John 17, when he prayed, it was a night when he was betrayed, with the cross looming just beyond this prayer. I have glorified you on the earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me in your presence with that glory I had with you before the world existed. Jesus prays this prayer. He can pray it in such a timeless way with that glory I had with you before the world existed. How can he pray such a prayer? Because the work that Jesus does goes beyond just what he does in this life here on earth, but also his death and his resurrection, which we'll talk about more as we draw closer to Easter. For now, the question for us, what is our work? For you, what is your work here on earth? This is the question to ponder, to pray about this week, asking God about today and over this next week, what is my work? Because there are some things in each of our personal lives where we know the work of God is waiting for us. Because as Jesus' work reveals who he is and who his Father is, so our work reflects whose we are and who our Father is. And when we carry out the Father's work here on this earth, it means that the way that we live should bring praise to his name. For all of us together as a community, though, our work is already here. It's already begun. John 5, 17, Jesus responds to them, my father is still working and I am working also. God is at work in our midst here at New Life. We've talked about creating a new culture here at New Life. I don't know if you sense it. It's here. It's already begun. Things are already happening and we see evidence of this each and every week. You can see evidence of it all around you if you care to stop and look. God is at work in our midst. Maybe it's time for you to join in. Let me pray for us.
Why don't you spend some time now? We'll make a time and a space now where you can just pray and ask God how you can carry out, how you can join in with the work that he's doing here at New Life. Take some time to pray about that now. Church, wherever it might be, Lord, we ask 
that you would help us to plant ourselves, that you would move our hearts towards servanthood, towards sacrificial love, to the things that you're pleased with, that we might join in with your work. We want to know what it means when Jesus says that the work that he does sustains him. We long to know your will in this way. To be able to serve our brothers and sisters with gladness and joy in our hearts. To give sacrificially and not to look longingly at our bank accounts. But to look to you and you alone. To see your eyes fixed upon us with pleasure, with satisfaction, and with love. That's what we want. Help us, Lord, to receive this. Help us, Lord, to love you. Help us, Lord, to love the work of your hands and the work of our hands. And may we commit ourselves to this great task. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.